Welcome to LOA Today, Walt Thiessen and life coach Cindy Shabazz here. It is Wednesday, December 20th, 2017, 8 a.m. Eastern Time, and we have another daily dose of your daily dose of happy coming here from our uh, private in-home studios where we're broadcasting in any kind of weather, whether it be rainstorms or snowstorms or even beautiful sunny weather. And Cindy, uh, I'm glad to have you back for another day. we got a fascinating topic, and uh, I'm going to let you introduce it because this was your idea. <laughs> well, we had been talking about um, the holidays being upon us and how that's kind of relevant to, to most of us. So talking about what could we talk about, what can we, what would be a great conversation that would really benefit somebody right now. And I came across an article from a colleague of mine, Lisa Marie Hayes, and the article was about giving the gift of energy. And, you know, I love the way the article starts out with deliberate creators know that energy is worth more than anything money can buy. So it's 10 gifts that deliberate creators can give to the people in our life that won't cost us anything but will be priceless. And so I thought these points, these at least these headings, these talking points, really, really worth um, a conversation, especially right now. And it just seemed really relevant, and it was exciting. So It's a very inspired idea. I love it. Um, I mean, first of all, because so many of us don't really think in terms of giving energy. We think about trying to build our own energy, but not not so much giving energy. And that's, a, that's such a great gift to give because uh, well, well, it's great for a number of different reasons. First of all, the recipient doesn't even have to know you're giving it to them. <laughs> Yes. You know, it reminds me of something, and that is there's a specific type of uh, meditation called Brahma-Vihara meditation. And in that meditation, um, it kind of revolves around a Buddhist concept called the four immeasurables. But anyone can do this meditation, and the way it's done is that you actually choose someone um, the way I do it, you choose four people. And the first person is someone that you love, and the second person is someone that you may not really know very well. Maybe somebody you just met in passing, somebody you kind of know on Facebook, you know, or social media. And the third person you choose is someone who kind of rubs you the wrong way, maybe somebody that irritates you. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, the fourth, and the fourth person is yourself. And what you do in this meditation is you wish them goodness. You wish them abundance you wish them an increase in their fortune you wish them that they would be free from any kind of shame or suffering you wish them that they would have non-resistance in their life and so you know you definitely when you're doing this meditation and you're sending out these this goodwill and these good wishes and this good energy certainly the people that you're doing it for aren't aware of it in a you know in a concrete way, unless you tell them. But uh, this article kind of reminded me of that. It's like, what can we do? And I'm telling you as a relationship coach that when we start being focused, we've been talking about focus a lot this week, If when we start being really focused in our thoughts about other people, it changes the way we interact with them. That's interesting, isn't it? Because it does change not only – it doesn't just help them, it helps us which is not necessarily what we might expect when we're doing an activity like this. Right. It's 
like, you know, the way we perceive and, and the way we consciously decide, it's really a choice. And that's, I think, the important thing to remember is our thoughts are a choice. We can choose to view people in a certain way. And if you notice, when someone is really not choosing to think of someone in a good way, it doesn't matter what that person does, they're not going to see it in a good light. Even if they're doing something great. Oh, look at her out there saving the world again. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it really doesn't matter what the person is doing because that choice to see them as, you know, in a bad light or a good light, that's really our choice. So it really makes a huge difference in how we show up in the relationship. And yeah, then that true. just changes everything. When we change ourselves, we change our experience of right. everything. Yeah, that's true. And, and, you know, I'm looking at this article that you found, and I'm realizing it's not all not all of the suggestions on this list are gifts that you give that the other person is not necessarily consciously aware of. The third one, touch more and hug often. They're going to be very aware of that one. <laughs> you know what's interesting about that particular one is that uh, she includes a quote from Virginia Sater, who was a um, – a social worker, a family therapist, very, very respected. And the quote, and the quote is one that I heard two days before I saw this article. So I was like, okay, this quote's just coming at me, like from different people, different directions. And mm. the quote is, we need four hugs a day for survival. We need eight hugs a day for maintenance. We need 12 hugs a day for growth. I'm, and I I'm thought, definitely wow, falling behind. I'm, de- I'm, not up to, I'm not up to par right here, I can tell. <laughs> Right? I, and I need to I mean, do more. I, I feel like I get a lot of hugs, but I was like, 12 hugs a day. Okay, i got to increase that. It reminded me, just reading this reminded me of um, my one of my sisters was a flight attendant for some time, and she was telling me that when people exited the plane, and if you've ever flown a, you know, on a plane, you're exiting, and the flight crew is saying, goodbye, thank you for flying with us. Right. Um, she said, Occasionally, she would just throw out an I love you. And she said, she would say, thank you for flying with us. I love you. Have a great day. And she said it always affected the people. Like she said, I realized one day, she said, we love you. And she said, this woman looked like she was going to burst into tears. And she said, think about the people that live alone and Mm -hmm. might not get told I love you on a daily basis or a weekly basis or ever. Yeah, that's true. And I thought, oh, wow. Um, So just the little things, you know, like you were saying, a lot of some of the things on this list, people will know when we're giving them. So um, energy is powerful. It's important. So intentional touch. says intentional touch is a beautiful gift. Uh, It doesn't have to be a hug. Sometimes just touching someone's arm or shoulder in a compassionate way is enough. And um, I think that's really true. So now we all need to aim for at least 12 hugs a day. Now I have to I have to say that in light of what's been going on, particularly in the news media lately, we should probably throw a caveat in here, which is yes, you don't we just should touch hug our anybody. spouses, we should hug our children, we should hug our pets. Right. Yes. We, 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 we must be <laughs> selective then, about it. <laughs> you know, there's there's also the idea of just um, asking. You know, I've had someone ask me before, "Can I give you a hug?" And here I am. I live in the South. People really hug a lot here. Mm. Um, people that you just met, when you go to shake their hand, will say, 
oh no, I'm a hugger and just hug you. So <laughs> yeah, you're right. There, <laughs> we 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 have to be conscious and focused and aware. And and I like the idea of saying, "May I give you a hug?" rather than "May I have a hug?" Yes. You know that reminds me. I had a couple that I that I coached, and they ended up getting married. So that's always fun for a, a relationship coach to be invited oh, to sure. a client's yeah. wedding. And in their wedding vows, um, instead of uh, "I take this woman as my wife," they changed it to say "I receive." Oh, how nice! Oh, and like I thought that. it was so awesome that at. At midnight after the wedding party was over, I came home and I think I wrote a blog about it. This is years wow. and years ago, but I was very inspired by that. Uh, so choice of words, very important. So maybe we should go through each of these because we, we've skipped to number three, but they're, they're all really good and, and each one deserves a little attention, I think. So why don't we... I love, I love the first one. Imagine so, everyone in your life is thriving. So, so read it out to us. What's it say? It says, imagine that everyone in your life is thriving. It's too easy to get stuck seeing people the way they've always been or buy into their stories of everything that's not working in their lives. However, intentionally imagining or visualizing someone thriving and happy can shift things for them in very magical ways. And it also changes how you relate to them in very day-to-day kinds of ways. It says, if you can hold a loved one with a vision of highest desired outcomes, ridiculously easy successes, and effortless joy, you might just be a magic maker in someone else's life. This might actually, this might be my favorite one. You know what I like about this one the best? I mean, this is great because you're giving this to somebody else, but I don't know if everybody realizes when you're doing this, you're actually giving yourself something really good here because, (laughs) no, seriously, because how often do we go through life not thinking these kinds of things about people in our lives, thinking about, you know, thinking critically about what's going on or, or thinking, uh, you know, well, why do they keep behaving that way? Or, you know, they, they seem to be stuck or, you know, why are they treating me that way? Or, or any of a litany of other things. We, we almost never think of them consciously and deliberately in the terms used here, such as um, intentionally imaging, imagining or visualizing someone thriving and happy. Yeah, I love this, um, imagining them having ridiculously easy successes. (laughs) Yeah, ridiculously easy successes. So often when someone in our life is struggling with something, then that becomes their story, and then that becomes the story we believe. And I know from being a coach that one of the, the things I always bring myself back to is that I can't buy into the story when the story is, Things are so hard and I'm never going to get there, right? So right. if I can't hold my client in the space of having their highest outcome possible, wherever I hold them at, that's about the level that they can come up to with me as a coach or in my work with them. And so it's important to see them succeeding and I love the idea of ridiculously easy successes and effortless joy. <laughs> so that is where we need to hold people that we love. Oh, yeah. Because I have to admit, I, I am just as guilty as anyone else of of the opposite. And when on occasion I have tried to do this activity, 
I guess that's what my original point was. It has an effect on me that I don't expect. That it, that mm-hmm. it, it, it's just an unexpected effect, which is when I'm like with my wife, for instance, if I'm thinking about Louise and I'm thinking about her, I'm going to use these phrases. I like these, uh, you know, having ridiculously easy successes and effortless joy. It changes my entire feeling inside about myself. Just saying those words, as I was saying, it, I can just feel like the, a warmth filling me. And I'm thinking that's really changing me. Yeah. And speaking of, you know, these kind of exercises and perceptions changing us, we can we can think these things for ourselves as well. Um, fantastic gift to give ourselves as well. Sure. To imagine, imagine ourselves thriving. Imagine ourselves having ridiculously easy successes. I do like the idea of, of starting by wishing it for others, though, because that's easier for me anyway. I don't know. Maybe for other people it's easier to wish it for themselves, but for me it's a lot easier to wish it for somebody else. So. Oh, no, you know the whole grass is always greener on the other side? <laughs> okay. I mean, I think that's the same concept, right? It's it's like it's easy for us to imagine it being easier for someone else. I think because so. Yeah. We're, you know, we're not in their struggle personally most of the time, so... Yeah, no, I think you're right. I think it's easier, and so it's a great um, it's a great way to bring that energy in. Like you said, it changes the way you feel, and what you said was it changes how I feel about myself. Yeah, which is unexpected. I, I was hoping it would also, you know, affect the way um, she feels and, and the way I feel about her. But the, the third one was I didn't really expect that one until I actually tried it, and oh wow, it really does. It does affect me positively. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. And it leads right into the second one, which is if your loved one has a specific goal or a desire, visualize it for them. I like the idea of visualizing the ridiculously easy success. I'm really, I'm really into that phrasing. Mm. Um, and so if we know that, that our loved one has a particular goal or a desire – just see them enjoying it. I can even think of an of, uh, unexpected reason why that's a good idea to do. <laughs> because there are some people, and I'm one of them, who for whom visualization is a very difficult thing to do. And it's difficult simply because I don't create images well in my mind. There, there's, mm-hmm. They've actually developed a, a, a term to describe people like me. They call it aphantasic or aphantasia. And what it basically means is an inability to generate mental images. Um, I am I am not completely aphantastic. I can actually, to a small degree, create you know very blurry and dull colored and and not very clear images. There are some people who find they can't create any images in their minds at all. And so, for somebody like us, we usually have to find an alternative. If we want to visualize, we have to like in my case, I auditorize. You know, I, I use my audio sense or or a sense of touch or whatever to create. Um, images, so to speak, in my mind. Because otherwise, the only images I ever create are abstract. You know, like for me, an image of of uh, a map is well, there is a map, and it says the word map. I mean, it doesn't really do that, but but like there's this this vague outline of a map, and it's a map of North America. So I have a kind of a vague idea of what the shape of it is, and maybe I I t- try to take like the color of yellow, put it on there, but it comes in like a dirty, gray, gray, dingy kind of a thing. and It's it's, it's nothing like the actual image when you see a a picture of a map map on the wall. Well, imagine somebody else who is imagining for me that map. 
They, they're basically helping put that image into my life. That, that's a good gift. And that's a gift that you wouldn't necessarily expect that you're going to give to somebody else because, I mean, who do you know who's a fantastic? Have you ever asked them? Of course not. I mean, how would you know? <laughs> no, but I, I did once. Um, I wrote a curriculum and taught um, a weekend intensive class that was intuitive painting. And everyone in the group, whenever we taught, pretty much had no experience with painting or with drawing or making art. And... Often, they, uh, we would have people tell us they didn't know the term for it, but they would say that they had trouble, you know, envisioning uh, something. And one of the things that we always uh, ask them is if they had dreams, because generally speaking, in dreams we see things clearly the way we do in real, you know, in waking life. And so it's the, actually the same, the same image maker, the same dream maker can help us increase our ability to visualize things. So I kind of come from the space of thinking that it is something that can be improved. I understand and agree with you, but I have to tell you my dreams are also vague. I don't have okay. – very rarely do I have clear images in a dream. And when, it, when I do have it, it's noteworthy. I notice it. I really notice it. I mean the most recent one I had was like, I don't know, two or three months ago. And I can't even tell you why I saw this image, but very clearly I saw a whole bunch of green tennis balls against a blue sky. That was it. That was the entire image. Interesting. Well, you know, what's interesting about that is that in the in dreams is that, like, if you see a dream that is clear, my dreams are all clear and sometimes in, in a lot of detail, but sometimes they're abstract, like almost like an abstract painting. And then there's lucid dreaming. Those dreams... I don't know how to describe it, but anyone who's had a lucid dream usually will say this. It's clearer than my waking life. Mm. Okay. Which is really, so, you know, our brains are really powerful. You said when you see a map, you said the word map, and then you said, no, well, not really the word. Well, I was nodding my head because I often, when I envision things, there are words. Um, I often see words or see how someone's name is spelled. Like, I want to know how it's spelled because if I don't know, it's like I need to see it. (laughs) So that's interesting to think of the different ways that we might visualize, mm-hmm. right, um, someone else achieving a goal. Yeah. Maybe maybe we just vaguely see um, them crossing a finish line or we see them getting um, a medal put around their neck or we see them holding a certificate, you know, blurry or not, right? It's like we get the feeling in our body of how we, we would feel when we saw our loved one, you know, get the college acceptance letter in the mail. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like we can paint that picture. If you have trouble visualizing, I think you can paint the picture with words. That's what I end up doing. Concepts, describe. actually. It's concepts more than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So it says here, it says this is more specific than seeing them thriving. This is giving your time to one particular desire of someone you care about. You may be more effective at creating through visualization for a loved one because you don't have the same kind of sticky need or attachment to a desire as they do. Yeah, I like that one, uh, sticky need or yeah. attachment. That's good. <laughs> All Cause, right. Because I've had plenty of those, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've had many times where I just, it's like I was stuck to it. <laughs> and, and sometimes you need a little help getting unstuck, you know? 
Well, you do. That's what that's what the podcast is for. That's what right. coaches are for. That's what, right? I mean. <laughs> Speaking of which, yeah. I, wa- I want to interrupt and, and point out to listeners, if you are enjoying the podcast, this is a good thing to visualize for somebody else. In fact, don't just visualize it. Go onto your favorite social media channel and say, hey, I'm listening to LOA Today talking about uh, you know, the energy gifts that we can give to people. It's really good. Check it out. Because we need to have the word spread, and we need more and more people to reach this and, and, and hear about this and, and you know follow and subscribe to the podcast and so forth. Not just for our sake, but for their sake, too. It's a great gift you can give to them. Um, just as you're enjoying it, they can enjoy it. And, and the more often that we're enjoying these positive things in our lives on a day-to-day basis, the better off we all are. So please take some time and just share it. So we talked about touching more and hugging often. Right. That was three. So you ready to move on to four? Yeah, let's do it. Forgive the sticky stuff. <laughs> there it is, the <laughs> sticky stuff. <laughs> So, so Lisa says in her article, show me a family that doesn't have some hidden pockets of resentment and at least a couple of old grudges in the mix, and I'll show you a family on a television show. <laughs> I'm not even sure about that, but I understand her point. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's the small things that don't get forgiven because they're attached to larger resentments. Sometimes the big stuff just camps out in relationships because tackling forgiveness seems too big. Mm. Yeah. Forgiveness isn't a once-and-done thing. It's a commitment to a process. It doesn't mean the wrong gets made right. It merely means you're choosing to put it behind you for real and be present in your relationships in the moment. Um, forgiveness, it says forgiveness might be the greatest gift at all for both the forgiver and the forgiven. This is so, so, so important. Um, one of the things I often like to think and remember and help people understand, she mentions here, about it doesn't mean the wrong gets made right. When we forgive, we're not saying it's okay. We're not saying that thing that you did to me that was so awful that I've been holding a grudge about, yeah, it's okay. No, we're not saying it's okay. And we don't forgive people. We actually, even though she is saying here, this is a really big gift, um, it's a gift for us. Yes. We forgive not so that, you know, to let them off the hook, but to let us off the hook of carrying around a grudge. Yes. Carrying a grudge is the biggest energy drain. And understanding forgiveness in terms of how it's helping the forgiver, I think, is the best way to understand it. I mean, sure, the person who you're forgiving, they that that's going to help them, too. But the biggest help, I think, is for the forgiver. Because the forgiver is now letting go, releasing, just abandoning that that hidden pocket of resentment, as she calls it. And when you do that, you're the one who benefits. You benefit. I agree. Big. I think that when dragging around unforgiveness, and I say dragging around because it's like a weight, hmm. and carrying it is heavy, even when we don't realize it. It's it's like. Yeah, hidden pockets is a good term because it's sort of camping out there in the background, but it's still being a huge energy drain to us. Mm-hmm. And so when we let it go, we let it go so we can let it go, so we can be free of it. And, of course, uh, energy, everything affects everything else. So the energy with with which we can now use for something better. Which also gives me, it also gives me a way to forgive 
in situations like you were describing where we really don't appreciate whatever the, the unappreciated behavior was. But because forgiveness is all about you releasing it, the forgiver releasing it, it's actually not a requirement that you forgive them to their faces. You can actually forgive them quietly in your mind. The, the point is to release it, not to do it right. personally. It's, it's to release it. Right. The point is to just let go of, of that weight that you're carrying of that. And, you know, when we, the other things that we've mentioned in the article so far, imagining that people are thriving. You know, I love that. Number one, imagine everyone in your life is thriving. Mm, yeah. That's everyone in your life. It could be even this person that did something, you know, bad to you. It could be people that you don't even know very well, right? It's not, it's everyone. Imagine everyone in your life is thriving. And so forgiveness is only going to help us be able to do that in a better way. <laughs> yeah, I, I keep going back to that number one, too, because that imagining of, of other people thriving, that's a good exercise all by itself, especially for myself where early on particularly, you know, in the last few years I've gotten much better at it, but early on I had a hard, hard time trying to figure out how to to visualize my own thriving, my own successes. Well, there's really no better way to practice doing that than by doing it for a whole bunch of others because that means each time that you're trying to imagine, you know, that your spouse is thriving or your kids are thriving or your family are thriving or whatever, you it's one more practice session, you know? It's one more yeah. opportunity to say, okay, I got to I got to imagine this. So what's this like? And you start framing it, you put the story together, you put the actions together, and then you do it for the next person. You put the the, the framework together, the story together, the actions together, and then you do it for the next person. You're doing it over and over again. <laughs> yeah, and what you're doing is what we talked about I think yesterday a little bit about alignment, right? Mm-hmm. When when we practice imagining everyone in our life thriving, then we're practicing aligning to that energy, the energy of thriving. Mm, right. Exactly. And it gets easier and easier. We know that about how the brain works. Mm-hmm. It's, that, it's that example of walking through a field of tall grass and you're kind of trying to get through it. But if you keep walking that same path every day, pretty soon the grass is trampled down and pretty soon the grass is not even there anymore and now there's a path and it gets easier and easier. It's the same way with our neural connections. So imagining everyone thriving, like you said, it's just practice over and over, and, and we'll be in the mix too. Just as long as the neighbor whose uh, grass you're walking on isn't upset that you just matted down his grass. But other than that, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's our own field. We have to oh, okay, through. good. <laughs> okay, let's, let's look at number five. Decide to accept. This might be my second favorite. This one and number one I love. Decide to accept everyone for exactly who they are instead of who you want them to be. Oh, boy, that's, yeah, that, that's really big. That That's one that I think has really, in a sense, frustrated me for most of my life because that's been my attitude all along from the youngest age that I can possibly remember. I wanted not only to accept everyone exactly for who they were, but I wanted them to accept me for who I was and just, you know, leave it alone, folks, leave it alone. And And what I ended up doing over time is learning their way instead. So I became critical of how they were, and they became critical of how I was. And I'm thinking, wow, 
how on earth did I get so far off track from what I wanted? <laughs> it's yeah, just amazing. I, it's one of the things I really, as a relationship coach, I, I think it's one of the big, big things that can really hinder um, a marriage or, you know, an intimate relationship is oh, sure. falling in love with potential or trying to change the other person. Yeah. And it's if we can just understand that, you know, one of my mentors uh, wrote a book called Relax, You're Already Perfect. And it's like just recognize that they are who they are and love them for who they are, accept them exactly the way they are. <laughs> Talk about resistance melting away. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and it's not always easy. I can't say that it's always easy to do. I mean, for instance, um, there are times where uh, I, I see my wife and she's in kind of a tough place. She's, she's not in her highest vibrational mode. And she's, you know, she, she's kind of struggling through day to day. And so there's like a, a duality there. On the one hand... I just love her for who she is. I respect, you know, her choices and so forth. On the other hand, I want to help her. And it, it, you're often walking kind of a tightrope there trying to figure out, okay, well, I don't want to push this too far. But on the other hand, I want to make sure she knows I'm here to help her if she wants to get, you know, to a higher level. Yeah, so this is the place where we can just communicate what we see and how we feel and how and what our desire is, right? It's mm-hmm. like... What can I do to make your day better? I really want to help. Can I give you a hug? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then they get to choose because, you know, that's interesting, the idea of the emotional scale we've talked about before and that, like, conflict and feeling, let's say, angry or frustrated is actually a higher level of energy than feeling like a victim. True. So sometimes we may see someone and they may be frustrated, and we have to realize that that's a better feeling for them than maybe where they were before. So maybe they are on their way up the emotional ladder. They can be, yeah. And sometimes it's yeah. just a matter of being patient. Um, yeah. I, I, I think the overall ideal that is identified in this fifth suggestion really summarizes it well. You, you, you mainly continue to just love them for who they are and – just be available without intruding because the one thing you really don't want to be is the uh, micromanager of their lives. That's, that's the worst place to be. So you want to avoid that, but you want to be available. Yeah, And they don't want that either. Believe me. Oh no, right? absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. That's like the worst thing you can do. So yeah, it's, it's being available. And like you say, offering, offering hugs, offering support, you know, would you like some support? The, the, a point blank question. Would you like some help? Yeah, and, you know, that's kind of like realizing that that's what we're doing when we're holding them in the space of knowing that they're – and this is maybe not true if we're talking of children, of little children, right? But I'm speaking of when we're talking about adults, is that holding them in the space where they're, you know, whole and responsible and able to take care of themselves um, and make their own decisions, like give them that. Under, you know, hold hold the vision for them as being someone who can call their own shots about it and then offer if they need support. And if they say no, okay, then let them at it, right? <laughs> like, Actually, interestingly enough, I apply the same rule to little children when, when I interact with them. I, I, I try not to 
impose myself on little children. I make myself available. I offer. And if they say no, I just back off. So it's basically, I, I take the same attitude that they are, they're, they're willing and, and able to accept responsibility for what they want and they don't want. And, and if a kid wants something, they don't really hide it. <laughs> they're really good at showing it. It's not like you have to guess. Adults, you often, often have to play the guessing game. Never with a kid. Kid, it's like That's so true. obvious. That's so true. Absolutely. <laughs> That's what I love about babies is how authentic they are. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When they need something, they let you know. <laughs> Very clear. You know, it's like, People that, you know, we were talking earlier about asking for support. And it's really hard for most people to – people are much better givers than receivers. That's why we have so much trouble with the three steps we talked about yesterday, right, with mm-hmm. receiving. Right. We talked about allowing. It's, it's not always easy for us to be receivers. I mean, go to lunch with somebody and then try to pay the ticket. <laughs> oh, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good. You know, it's like we've all done it. Um, it's that receiving muscle that we need to flex. So, yeah. Yeah, it does okay. take some practice on that. But, yeah, you're right. It's a good thing to practice that receiving muscle. I never thought of it as a muscle, but, yeah, it is kind of. <laughs> it is. Okay. Number six, turn off your phone and give your time. <laughs> now, now, we've just created a revolution here. This is like this is an assault on the connected society. Turn off your phone. Well, we were just talking about children and and the the line here says study after study shows that what almost every child really wants is not the latest and greatest toy. It's more time with their parents or favorite adults. We never grow out of craving time and attention. And Very true. It's such a good point. Um I I love all the ideas people have come up with like We've done it before at family dinners and things is that all the phones just go in the middle of the table. Like, get, take your hands off your phone. Um, we are so, we use our phones for so many things now that it's not just a phone anymore. We get our news on our phones and we're texting with people on our phones and we're checking our email on our phones and we're playing games on our phones. And so it would be a revolution for everybody to just just put their phone down but it's something that we need to be conscious about we can do it in a all of these things that we're talking about every day on the podcast are actually ways that we are learning how to focus better Mm. and remember what we focus on expands so it's sort of the number one thing that we can do to get into the place where alignment comes easy to us is to be conscious and aware of what we're doing. And so even consciously putting the phone down, and you know what, I'm going to put my phone down, and I'm just going to give you my time and my attention. I'm not going to half listen to you and half check my phone. And you know there's an inter- interesting thing about this particular suggestion, turning the phone off. It's, it's written to the adult and, and in the case of a family to the parent. But I'm sure many parents are wishing that their kids would turn their phones off and they're turning it around in their mind saying, well, okay, now i got to get the, the kids to turn the phone off um, so that they can participate more in the family or whatever it is. And it occurs to me, number six, turn, your, turn off your phone and give your time. You want your kid to do that more? Give more of numbers one through five. Because what's, huh. what's the typical thought that goes through the parent's mind? The parent is, is thinking critically of the, the, the kid is disconnected from family life because he or she is spending all their time on their phone. Well, what if, right. what if you turn the thought around and turn it into 
you know, wishing the best for the kid and, and how great it would be if they had their, their terrific success that came so easily and effortlessly and all this other kind of stuff that we were talking about in the earlier points. What if, what if we were offering hugs more often to the kids? What if you know, we were forgiving the sticky stuff? How much less time would they spend on the phones? Probably a lot less. Because why do the kids go to the phones in the first place? Because that's where they're connecting to the people that are giving them the best strokes. Yeah, or because everyone around them is on the phone, including the parents. Right? Yeah. I mean, I, I have we've all been in places where we look around and everyone's on their phone. We actually, you know, I've seen people text each other when they're close enough to talk. <laughs> That's just laughable. I mean, it happens all the time, but it's laughable. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. Uh, a funny story about that is... Um, there were there are some of us that play a GPS game together, and we play on our phone. Mm-hmm. And we were somewhere, we were at a big convention, and we were standing at the side of this parking lot, and there were maybe 10 of us, and we were during a really critical part of this game. So we're standing in a circle, and we're all looking at our phones, and we're furiously, it looks like we're furiously texting, but we're actually playing together as a team, this GPS game. <laughs> and this woman drives up, drives up and she rolls down her window and she screams at us for crying out loud put your phone down and talk to me <laughs> it was so funny <laughs> it was so funny but in reality you know oftentimes people are ignoring each other while they're paying attention to their phone so a great rule is is to put all the phones in a stack in the middle of the table just for a meal. You know, it's like just put the phones down for this meal. It's it's fun to watch people suddenly start engaging again. I, I'm just imagining what if that woman had read this article and instead of screaming at you, put the phones down, what if she started putting out that she wants you to have all of the wonderful enjoyment of phoneless contact? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it really was funny. Thank you, laugh. All right, so we know that phones can get in the way, and it really is one of the best gifts that we can give someone. Oh, yeah. um, to, to You know, phone aside, and I know the phones get in the way, but that, that gift is giving someone their your full attention, even yes. if it's just for one minute, five minutes, um, when you talk to someone. And the act of actually putting the phone down consciously, like they might not notice that's what you're doing, but for your own self, to make the conscious act of putting it down and saying to yourself, I'm going to give this person my complete attention. Um, there was a saying that I learned, and my, my instructor for this course, um, relationship coaching course, she did not have um, where she got the quote. She couldn't remember, so I can't give attribution. But the quote was, listening is so close to loving you can hardly tell the difference. And, and so when we consciously decide that we are going to give someone our full attention while they talk to us, they know it. They can feel it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, anybody who's ever received any kind of attention that's direct attention, you, you know it. It's not like somebody has to point out to you, hey, you're getting a lot of attention here. <laughs> it's not required at all. <laughs> Yeah, and, it, and it, it may or may not have anything to do with a phone being put down. You know, it's just you can definitely not give someone your full attention whether or not you've got a phone in your hand. 
So just the idea of focusing on our attention. It's a good good practice, too, because we, we do tend to be disconnected in a lot of our relations with people. And it's not just through phones. I mean, just in a number of different ways. We, we tend to keep people, you know, at arm's length depending on, you know, maybe it's a difficult relationship or whatever. You know, but, but we tend to do that. And so actually giving attention to somebody, particularly somebody who is not used to getting attention from you, they'll, they'll, they'll wake up. You'll, you'll a different reaction from them. So it, it's, it works its way right into number seven, which, and, and number eight. I really, really, I want to skip seven and go right to eight for a second because we're talking about okay. giving someone um, our attention and really listening. And number eight is talk to anyone you care about as if they're the most important, most spectacular human on earth. That's so going to be a challenge that for some At people. that same time that we're willing to put the phone down and give someone our full attention, we can attend to them as though they were the most spectacular human on earth. That's that, really powerful to me. Yeah, that that's very big. That, that's something that uh, we would all do well to practice more of because it would help everybody, including ourselves. If you've seen how much, you know, people will get excited about, uh, you know, walking into a coffee shop and there's like a famous person there. Okay. You know, it's like all of a sudden, oh my gosh, look who, who that is, right? <laughs> it's like, what if we just looked at everybody like that, you know? <laughs> what if we gave everybody the the benefit of the doubt that, no, this, for right now, you are in my presence, so you are the most spectacular human on earth, and I'm going to treat you that way. That, that would be a very different experience for all of us, I think. Really? Yeah, I think so. I love so. it. I think so. He says, if you want someone to rise, shine, and thrive, talk to them as if they are the single most special thing in the universe. We create with our words, and when you're talking to another, you're co-creating in their universe in real time. I like that last sentence, because we hear yeah. the phrase co-creating, but we hear it abstractly. That's one of the first really good applications of it that I've heard. When you're talking to another, you are co-creating in their universe in real time. I like that. Isn't that awesome? Yeah, that's really good. It's so true. I mean, a conversation, when we think about how powerful words are, and when we're having a conversation with someone, we're creating that conversation together. It's amazing. So and, and, powerful. And even more important so than the that. words. Even more important than the words. The words are important, don't get me wrong. But even more important, when you when we're engaging in the kinds of activities they're talking about here, that, that uh, this author is talking about here, we are doing something that is much more human than what we normally do. It's much more engaged. It's much more connected. It's much more loving. And when you do something that is different, so different from what you're used to doing, it's almost impossible to measure all of the ripple effects that come out of that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, think about that. I mean... Everything affects everything else. So you have this kind of conversation where someone has put their phone down and is actually listening to you in such a focused way. They want to be there with you. And not only that, but they're talking to you like you have some level of importance that's just out of this world, treating you like you're the most spectacular human on earth. Now, how is that going to change your day when you walk away from that conversation? Oh, it's going to be huge. And, and I yeah. just think of all the different areas of life 
imagine that being applied. I mean, right now I'm thinking, I want to have everybody out there experience it, and I want them to experience it in the most trying circumstances. Um, maybe they're, well, I was into politics, so maybe they're focused on politics. Um, maybe it's uh, the family's having some sort of crisis and, and they're dealing with a family crisis. Um, maybe there's something going on at work. There's a, I don't know, there's massive layoff or, you know, there's a boss who's giving everybody a hard time or something. Who knows what? But the point is there's some stuff going on at work. Imagine if this kind of attention was given in any of those environments to the people who were involved how different their experience would be in that moment in time, in that environment, in that framework of dysfunction or whatever you want to call it. Well, and I love what you said about the ripple effect because it's so powerful just of itself, just thinking what you're talking about right now, that conversation, especially in a time that can be, you know, a a particular incident or occurrence or circumstance that's really trying to, to get this level of attention and focus would feel so much better and then it would just keep going and going that's like icing on the cake oh yeah to have that ripple effect so going back to number seven number seven was talk about your loved one as if they were always right and perfect in every way <laughs> and, and that can be a bit of a stretch sometimes but it's a good exercise still well she here's what here's what lisa says about that she says i'm a relationship coach I hear a lot of people talk about the ones they supposedly love in ways that aren't so loving. There's some serious power in the words we use. When we're talking about people we care about, we're setting up our expectations of them. People tend to rise just about as high as they're expected to. We talked about that earlier. That's absolutely true. Um, And then she says, speaking of her parents, she says there's nothing sweeter than the way my parents talk about each other to say it's positive doesn't really do it justice. It's sappy, but that sap is genuine. They <laughs> adore each other, and I think they're onto something. They've got more than 70 years of marriage under their belts to prove it. So more sap. <laughs> <laughs> more sap. Um, talk about, and, and remember, this isn't talk to your loved one. This is talk about your loved one as if they were always right imperfect in every way so this is a space where when I talk about my loved one I don't need to give all my criticisms about them to the world I can talk about what's right about them I I think it's just a a really beautiful thing I think so too yeah and it's a reminder to do it more often really because every time that I for instance if I'm talking about Louise Every time I remind myself to phrase whatever I'm thinking about from the positive perspective, it helps. It helps in a lot of different ways. That I, I, the, the ripple effect is there, I, and I don't even know all those ripples are going to happen, but they happen. Well, you know, we were talking about a week or so ago, we were talking about gratitude and how just the act of deciding to look for something to be grateful for. Mm-hmm. So it's just saying, what? okay, if I ask you, what are you grateful for today? Just the act of you, your brain going into motion to answer that question, hmm, what am I grateful for? Just that act starts to create the brain chemicals that cause us to feel happier. Mm, yes. And so if we think about this, 
talk about your loved one as if they were always right and perfect in every way, if I'm going to talk about a loved one and that's, that's the tact that I want to use, then it's almost like looking for a gratitude. I'm suddenly looking for the good things. I'm looking for what's right. Yeah, there is a parallel there. That parallel right, so is strong. So when someone says yeah. to you, you know, <clears throat> hey, Walt, how's Louise? Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. are in that space of getting to choose. Right. And you've got lots of good things that you can say. Oh, yeah. And so your brain is suddenly going into that mode of, finding something good mm-hmm. it's that reticular activation again that's right and yeah, more right. it's just one more exercise where we're learning how to focus on what's right and bring ourselves into alignment of that mm-hmm. yeah. i love it yeah that, that's very good it, it, it's amazing all of these uh gifts that we're talking about giving to other people these energy gifts in some cases actual physical gifts but um mostly energy gifts they all lead to that exact same result where everything starts to change within our own heads just by doing them. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, we, we were talking about that one day uh, in a, a week or so ago on the podcast that, and I, we might have been talking about it before we started uh, the show, but the idea that everything is in our head. Yeah. We just forget how big our the inside of our head actually is. <laughs> it's amazing. It's only like six inches across or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's see. Number nine, talk less, listen more with your heart and not your head. Yes. I love this, uh, the way she opens this particular part of, of the paragraph. Your heart knows things your mind just can't get its head around. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a cute little uh, play on words for sure. I like the listen with your feelers on high. She says, "Yeah, that's the part that I like the most because that was a skill I had to kind of relearn that I'd kind of forgotten, particularly during my adolescent years and into early adulthood. But I did eventually learn it again, so to speak, and in the process." I learned something that had answered it answered a question for me that I've been asking myself for a number of years because um, I think I told you Louise and I met and married in our 40s and so most of my 20s and 30s where relationships were concerned was one frustration after another <laughs> it just none of them worked out and you live with that long enough and it starts to affect you and one of the questions that I would learn not learn that I would try to ask myself and try to get answers to was why can't I understand women? Because I thought, it must be me, right? It must be me, so why don't I understand? And eventually, I stumbled upon this very idea of, of listening with your heart and not trying to analyze it to death. And once I started applying that, all of a sudden I started getting better reactions, not just from women, but from everybody. And it, it was it was definitely enlightening. It was enlightening and it was effective because when... I finally met Louise, and we, of course, you know, in, early in a relationship, you do a lot of talking. There's a lot of communication, a lot of conversation. And during those conversations, she would remark on a number of occasions that, particularly if if she was in some sort of a, a sad or unhappy emotional state and, and just needed the support, that I would just be there to give her the, the support. I wasn't trying to fix her problem for her. 
And she was amazed by that. That was not part of her previous experience with men. So it, it, it served me really well in terms of helping to move our relationship forward because I simply had learned to just listen without analyzing. Mm, yeah, it just reminds me of what this says right here. If you understand how someone feels when they speak, then understanding what they're saying is a given. So you were understanding how she was feeling and paying attention to, you know, that's just really great emotional intelligence. And honestly, I can't say I always understood how she was feeling. But I, I learned that that didn't matter. Because if eventually I would, what mattered was letting her know that I was listening and I was trying to understand. That was enough. Yeah. Yeah, and we can't always understand as if it were our own feeling. But just the idea that we are paying attention to how they're feeling. I mean, we talked about emotional intelligence, creating that bigger vocabulary emotional vocabulary. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be huge, but just flexing that muscle of knowing what it is, sometimes just saying to someone, you seem really frustrated. Um, if they're not frustrated and it's something else, they'll let you know. Oh, yeah. But it doesn't matter because you've shown that you care about how they're feeling. Right, yeah. Right? Um, and it's opened the conversation into a space where now we're – listening with our heart and not just words. It, it, it goes back to number three, touch more often and a hug more often. Sometimes we just need a hug just because we need a hug. Right. <laughs> at, like 12 times a day. Yeah, yeah right. At least. <laughs> Which reinforces once more, I just, I, I need to offer her more hugs. I mean, I'm just not hugging enough. That's all there is to it. <laughs> I, see, I see many hugs in your future. <laughs> So, so number 10, no, number 10 is going to be one that can come with lots of hugs. <laughs> Go heavy on the gratitude and very, very light on the criticism. Yeah, I, I, uh, think, I think I'd even take it to a, a more of an extreme. I'm, I'm working to try to eliminate the criticism, just take it out yeah. of my vocabulary. Yeah, I love what she said. She says, criticism rarely yields change. Right. It usually just breeds resentment. Right. Criticism is a kind of focusing on what you don't want that yes. always gets you more of exactly what you don't yes, want. Yes, there it is right there. That's the one. When you realize that, that, that every time that you offer criticism, thinking that you're helping, it always leads to more opportunities to criticize. <laughs> like, well, right? what's yeah. the point of that? <laughs> oh, it's awful. It's awful. And it's like, just break that cycle of criticism. And I love this because, you know, we've, we've all at least heard it, if not done it ourselves. So it's like, well, what do we do? How do we break that cycle? Try thanking someone in advance for getting it right. I love that so much. That's a heavy exercise right there. That, that's Try thanking yeah. someone in advance for getting it right. Yeah. Um, liberally share everything you think is awesome about the people that you care about. Spend about 100 times more obsessing about what's right about someone you love than you do pointing out what you'd like to be different. Yeah, that's nice. I like that. Spend about 100 times more obsessing. I like that. Obsessing about what's right about someone that you love. That's really good. Thank more than you ask, and you're way more likely to get exactly what you want for yourself 
while giving exactly what others really need. So love that one so much. Again, heavy on the gratitude, right? So we're really training our brains here to find the good stuff, to seek out what's going right. That's one of my favorite questions to ask a client at the very beginning of our call when we haven't talked for a week or so. It's like, hey, how are you today? Tell me what's going right. I also have to yes. mention, she's got, a, she's got a postscript here. The postscript comes after this article. And it says, sharing is sexy. If you like this article, share, comment, or pass it on. Sharing is yes. sexy. I like that. <laughs> and I, I think I've shared it once on Twitter, and I'm going to share it again today. It's such a good article right now. Um, it's a, definitely a vibe lifter. Uh, and so I'm, I'm, Lisa Marie Hayes is the author of that article, and uh, you can find her on the web and on Twitter where I found the article. Thank good you, stuff. Lisa Marie Hayes, for, for sharing that. It gave us some good material for a podcast, and, boy, there's some really good stuff <laughs> in there, really good stuff. Just amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm almost wondering, okay, where do I start now? Because <laughs> right? there's so I much the same there. Way. I'm sitting here looking at this article. I'm like, I'm going to put this into practice <laughs> as soon as we're done with this call. Or actually, I'll put it into practice right now and yeah. just say, I'm visualizing – uh, for you, Walt, that you will have a ridiculously easy success today. <laughs> well, thank that? you. That's really nice. Thank you very much. I I throw it right back at you. I am visualizing <laughs> tremendous success and effortless joy for you for the entire day. Thank you. I receive that. That's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, this is good stuff. We got to do more of this. Um, by the way, I, I do want to remind people that I, I think that's why I, I saw that postscript because it said uh, sharing is sexy. I like that. So um, feel free to uh, be a little bit sexy in your sharing of our podcast. Share it with people. Share it with people you know. Share it on your social media because uh, the passing along helps everybody that's involved. That's what we've learned this entire show today. Um, also, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do so. The way to subscribe, there are actually a few ways. The most direct way is to go to the website, LOAToday.net. Um, there are subscribe buttons all over the place there. You can also do it if you're on your iPhone by going to the iTunes store, or you can also use the built-in podcast software that comes with your iPhone. Either way, just go to either of those uh, apps and do the little search routine and just type in LOA Today, and you'll find us. It'll pop right up, and then you can, you can subscribe there. And if you're on a Google, oh, I'm sorry, yes, if you're on a Google Android phone or any flavor of Android phone, just go to, to, to the Google Play Store and same thing, search on LOA Today and subscribe there. Because subscribing is how you keep up with your daily dose of happy, twice daily, each day, Monday through Friday, and once on Sunday. So you get 11 doses a week. And 11 doses a week, uh, Cindy, that's a lot of doses. <laughs> that is. That is. It's, a, it's good stuff, though. You can't get enough of this. Just good vibes and daily dose of happy every day. Happiness is contagious. It's far better than an apple a day, I can tell you that. <laughs> and Cindy, if they want to reach out to you for some private assistance because you're so good at this, how can they reach you? They can find me online at cindychavez.com, C-I-N-D-I-E-C-H-A-V-E-Z.com, and Cindy Chavez on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Come find me. Very good. This has always been a pleasure, but today has particularly been a pleasure, Cindy. <laughs> it was a great show. I, I enjoyed it too, Walt. And we'll see you all tomorrow here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.